Well, hello. Today I'm here with um, a lovely lady called Claire, and Claire has a whole farm of flax, don't you, Claire? We are a flax farm. We grow linseed in West Sussex, and that's really all we do, and we find ways of making flax into food. How, how big is your farm? We farm about 130 acres, but we also grow linseed on other people's farms as well locally so that we can actually sort of get better crop rotation. Wow. So could you just um, briefly just tell us a little about how flax grows? What, what time of year do you plant it and how long does it take to harvest? And The usual way to grow flax is to grow it, you sow it in the spring, just as the soil begins to warm up a little bit and there's a little bit of sun about. So sorry, the, the seeds, when we buy flax seeds, so those, those aren't what you sow, are they? Similar to that, yeah. Wow. Well, someone, you know, that, that's what it looks like. So, so flax and linseed are the same thing. This is one of the things we've got to get over to everybody. And it's why we sort of stuck with the name of Flax Farm and saying we're doing linseed to try and sort of spread the word that flax and linseed actually are the same. Yeah. Anyway, growing flax, we wait till the spring, we wait till the soil has warmed up a little bit before it gets too dry, and then we sow it, and that's sort of in about sort of April-ish. And it comes up quite quickly. It looks really sparse and weedy um, for quite a while. And then all of a sudden it sort of romps away. And by the sort of early or mid-June, you get a two-week period where the fields are just blue all over. Hmm. And the flower comes out in the spring. Um, they're not in the spring, sorry. The flower comes out in the morning. Yeah. Um, at about sort of 8 o'clock when the sun's up and it's all warmed up a bit. And it looks absolutely beautiful. And then during the rest of the morning towards sort of midday, the petals all just sort of start dropping off. Yeah. Um, and by the end of the day, all today's petals will have dropped off and it's getting ready for some new ones tomorrow and another flower. Wow. And then the little capsules behind where the seed heads were all swell and that's where the little seeds are. And come about September, it's all sort of dried off and it's all sort of baked and ripe and nice and you get these lovely golden seed heads they're only sort of small like big big peas really about yeah. that sort of size but they're all sort of goldy and round and got a nice shape to them um and look really almost like sort of something from outer space because we're not used to seeing <laughs> it it's just a funny looking crop when you're not used to it and then we wait for some nice dry weather in september and we harvest it right so you... harvester. right and and then what happens then hopefully we've done it and the weather's been lovely and blazing sort of September and it's all dry so it doesn't need any further drying and then we just store it in the barn and as and when we need to we press it um, on a very sort of <laughs> I suppose the best thing to say it's almost like a pr really primitive press it's yeah. sort of not much bigger than most people's mother's mincing machines used to be <laughs> it's tiny and it just gently squeezes the oil out. So do you press the whole plant or just that seed head? Just the actual seed. So somewhere when it was combined, when it was actually harvested, the actual seeds are taken out of the little cap, little sort of papery capsules. So the end result is a big pile of just pure linseed that is really silky and slithery and it's the most beautiful seed to touch. You sort of just want to put your whole arm in it. In fact, when we have farmer's markets, I always take a big bucket of it with me so people can actually just run their hands through it because it feels so nice and actually fact another thing about that is if you have a big amount of it people can actually drown in it what the seed yeah wow 
it is so silky and liquid, it flows almost like water. Mm. But if you had a big sort of, you know, pit of it, and somebody jumped in, they literally would drown in it. So the seed we buy, is that dried? Most people dry it artificially. We try to harvest it at the right time of year, and hopefully we can dry it anyway. You know, it's got sort of, it comes ripe and dried, but it's just sort of the best way to dry it is actually to take it out on a warm, sunny day and just run some air through it, and it blows the air through it, and that's usually just enough to reduce the moisture content by a percentage or point or two, and that's usually enough to keep it healthy over the winter. Mm. That's all it's really about. Is the drier it is, the healthier it keeps. Yeah. And in the UK... Um, obviously, you know, because we're doing it and we grow it and we just sort of, you know, do it the right way, that's what we do. In other parts of the world, um, and in other places in the UK even, people actually will just put a load of um, pesticide powder in with the crop. Yeah. And when I questioned this, they said, oh, yeah, but it's only a kilo or so to the ton. Yeah. And, you know, people don't want to eat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pesticide powder. So, no, we do it the right way. And we, as I say, we just dry it out. We blow, blow sort of warm air through it if, it if it sort of needs a bit more drying down. Uh, so it's not got, got hot or anything like that. So it's still sort of raw. It's still completely live. If you plant it, it will grow. Yeah. Which is why my garden fills up with it. My drive fills up with it. And we get loads of linseed plants growing everywhere. Yeah. Um... Anyway, then the seed is, as I say, it's stored until we press it. We put the, the lovely sort of clean seeds into the hopper. It goes down into the press. The press just presses it like the mincing machine was. But yeah. Instead of having stuff coming out the end, it's designed so there's some sort of little holes underneath. So the oil just presses out. And we just put enough pressure in to just get some linseed oil to come out. It's very, very gentle. And... I think that's one of the reasons that it's good is that we're putting minimal pressure behind it, obviously no heat. And then the other thing that happens is that we're very gentle with the way that we process it, the next bits, which are a little bit of a sort of secret. But it's what we don't do to it rather than what we do to, to yeah. it. And everything's very sort of gentle and natural and we hand bottle it and things like that. So it's it's when you're talking about pressing it, you're doing that by hand? With bottling. No, the pressing. The bot, the presser has got a little electric motor on it. Otherwise, so you're not, be, that's other, what I otherwise we would otherwise <laughs> we would be there twenty four hours a day. <laughs> it's not far off that. <laughs> we had a little advance there. So when I was asking you about how how to store flax oil, you said it was all in the pressing. Can you can you explain a bit about that for us? The linseed is a very sort of reactive oil it's what it's a building block of the body and it's got it's triple unsaturated which means that you can open up the double bonds and turn it into sort of body chemicals and and parts of cell membranes and things like that and it's why it's such a terribly important nutrient in the body however that ability to be able to do lots of things means that it's actually quite reactive and it will react with oxygen, and it oxidizes easily. And once it starts, there's a sort of knock-on effect where if it starts to go wrong, it goes wrong throughout the whole bottle, and the whole lot goes really horrid. 
and that's what you know when we talk about free radicals and things like that yeah. and chain reactions and if you sort of start getting it a little bit bitter and a little bit oxidized that chain reaction runs through the whole lot and makes the bitter oil however if you start it really right and really gentle and you don't allow that initial oxidation to happen and you keep it all in its sort of virgin pure state and really good quality the oil is more stable and seems to stay more stable more easily right and although we cold press it very carefully and then we sort of make sure it's kept cold we keep it out of the light because that's the most important thing with linseed oil and we put it in dark bottles and we've even got really as you probably noticed mega big labels all the way around the bottle right and that's there to help protect it from light even further so we're sort of doing everything that we can um because it's fairly stable it seems to stand up to a little bit of heat i'll say heat like you know, being in somebody's kitchen, yeah. maybe not gone in the fridge, or some of the oil that maybe I have with me as a sample bottle of oil that I maybe have had in my car and things like that. Yeah. And I'm amazed at how well they keep and how stable it is. So if you're selling it to a whole food store, do you do you recommend that they keep it in the fridge? or does it I not... prefer it to be in the fridge, but if they don't keep it in the fridge, we just tend to go down and top it up quite regularly. And it's not essential with a little bit although you know everything that you can keep colder is better yeah but we're not talking about something that's like meat where you're trying to sort of stifle microbes because microbes work really well at sort of between 20 and 30 degrees and at below five degrees they're absolutely dormant so with meat you can keep meat in a fridge and it keeps it fit and it's fine but with which isn't microbes that are affecting it, it's just its chemical affinity for oxygen. Yeah. And so keeping it sort of in the fridge isn't as magic. I mean, we actually say if you keep it at home, the best place to keep it actually is in the freezer. Wow. Because a little bit cold, you know, the colder you can go, the better. Yeah. But it's not absolutely essential. So um, sometimes you get flax oil that tastes a bit... Um... Well, rancid is the best way to describe it. Is it is rancid, yeah. Right. Absolutely. If you get linseed oil and it's bitter, it is rancid. And all those wonderful double bonds have all popped open and they've grabbed hold of oxygen and they've probably grabbed hold of the molecule of oxidised omega-3 next door. And they've formed some really horrible alien chemicals. And to a chemist, those chemicals, those bitter tastes, actually more like creosote. Right. So, it, even though somebody will say, oh, it's organic, it doesn't necessarily mean that it hasn't got chemicals that it's made itself in it. There's, that bitterness is actually a sign of chemicals. I mean, it's just a really bad news if it's, if it's bitter. Because I've been told by suppliers before that it's meant to taste like that, and I've heard other people been told that as well, so it's absolutely not true. If it tastes it, not good, it isn't not good. <laughs> absolutely. It's very hard to make it that way, to make it good. It takes a lot of effort. It takes more time. You just It's like making sort of like good pastry. You just can't rush it, you know. Fine you wine. Have do, you have, yeah, you have to do it at its own pace. Um, and when they have it in factories, it just goes a bit harder and faster and they upset it. Right. And when it is oxidised, 
our palate is telling us, no, that's really bad stuff. Right. You know, and if our palate, after trying to take it for a fortnight, is still saying, look, this stuff's poison. It's not something you're never going to go to get used to. It really right. is bad stuff. And we're not designed to eat rancid oil. Right. And it should be. I mean, when you, you know, we obviously we know because we have the seeds and we have them there. And the first dribble that comes out is sweet and mild and nutty. And that's what we put into bottles. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of hemp as well. And hemp, obviously, you know, we use a lot of hemp oil, but hemp has a million and one other uses as well. Can you tell us about some of the other uses of flax other than the oil and the seed? Yeah, I mean, obviously, flax is linen and it's been used for fabric, fine fabrics and fine sort of cords and things like that for millennia. So do you do, you do, do any of that with your crops? No, not at all, because the flax that we grow which is more designed for the seed is actually got very very short stems right however i have been told that if you use the bales of the straw that we grow it makes the ideal shelters for lambs to be born in huh. um for the walls of the sort of bale barns because the rats can't live in it because the fibers in the linen are so tough the rats oh, can't chew their way through oh, wow. <laughs> it's really useful for you to know uh-huh. um other uses of linseed it's got masses and masses of uses it was used as a poultice for ages during the first world war big time it was used as a poultice and it was about the, one of the only remedies they had um so how would they use it as a poultice you Basically, just make it warm and wet, and you put it between layers of muslin, and you plunk it on. What the seeds? The ground seed, yeah. Yeah. You grind it up and make a sort of, you know, porridge of it, and make it hot and put it on whatever it is that you needed to to use it for. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we don't really sort of get abscesses and boils and that sort of thing anymore, and we tend to get the doctor get antibiotics instead. Um. But it's 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 still useful for some people. I've heard of people who have used it. Um, it's good as a cough medicine, and that comes from the whole seed. And when you actually get the whole seed and you put it into water and you get that gloopy stuff off it, yeah. the concentrate of that is very good. And actually cooked up and made into sort of like a tea and taken, it's incredibly beneficial for coughs. Um, because it's soothing, and that's why a lot of the cough medicines actually still have the gloop. Yeah. Te- technical term, they gloop. <laughs> <laughs> the gloop from linseed, and it, it's actually what really is making the cough medicine work. And, you know, I always wondered about it as a kid. It was a case of, hang on, I've just taken this stuff down into my tummy, but it stopped my l- lungs wanting to cough. And apparently it's all because the sort of the throat where you swallow and your stomach and your lungs are all part of the same sort of epithelial layer right. when the body is actually growing and things like that. And so if you can soothe one of this, it has a soothing effect on the other. Right. Sort of roughly it works like that. Mm. And apparently taking an infusion of the linseed like that, it, it, yes, it's good for coughs as well, but mm. long term it helps to sort of break up, sort of clogged up catarrh and nasty things like that. Um... And it's quite a sort of good herbal remedy for coughs, and they put it with things like comfrey to improve it, uh, to make it even better. And there's also licorice and linseed has been a famous cough medicine for a long time too. Mm. Linseed is really good for the digestion. 
it works in lots of different ways and I've been talking to um, nurses who work in the NHS some of them on sort of continents and some of them on IBS and things like that and there's beginning to be a little bit of research done on it it, a, it seems to work because it, obviously it holds moisture and it makes a nice consistency going through the gut but also the mucilage seems to sort of talk to the gut wall and ask it to move along a little bit at the right rate right. as well as lubricating it a bit but also the mucilage which is soluble fibre actually helps to grow the good bacteria so it feeds good bacteria and good bacteria again have a relationship with the gut wall and they make a good structure because what's actually meant to be in people's guts isn't the debris and the leftover of good of food what's really meant to be in your gut is masses and masses of good bacteria and they really help your digestion to work yeah. and if you feed the good bacteria and you make a really sort of good consistency of good bacteria we're getting a bit sort of much for breakfast time but <laughs> um, a good consistency of good bacteria going through the gut it all sort of holds the food in the right structure to digest the nutrients out of it so it really helps your gut to work right and it moves things through at the right pace so it keeps your gut healthy and it also stops toxins building up in the gut. People who've got other problems like sort of very raw stomachs and things like that, who are sort of inclined to ulcers and that type of thing, find they get a benefit from taking the linseed as a very, very thick loop so it's really pasty. Mm. And that apparently sort of has an affinity for sort of sticking to mucous membranes. And a lot of people have apparently said that they found that that has actually helped to sort of calm really raw digestions better than any of these sort of liquids you see advertised on the television. Mm. And then what happens is it sort of coats it and it starts healing underneath and it sort of relieves the pain and it allows it to start getting better without taking really unhealthy drugs day in and day out. So it's a good thing for that. Um, and obviously linseed helps with girly hormones as well. Right. And it helps the sort of the ups and downs and it helps sort of keep women on a more even keel, which is great because it sort of helps keep you feeling positive and things like that. Yeah. And going through the menopause, it seems to help um, the symptoms of the menopause and the hot flashes and things like that. But it's also good for helping keep the bones strong as women go on after the menopause. Apart from that, it tastes great. <laughs> it's wonderful snacks. It's lovely in porridge, and it's a really low GI food, so it's really useful for people who are either overweight or prone to diabetes or anything like that, because it's low GI and it helps to make everything you eat absorb slow, so you don't get that huge rise in right, blood sugar. Right. And it's also gluten free, which means that if you're a celiac, you can eat it too. Right. So, and it's something else great that you can eat. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what it is in the seed that does it? Because um, the only other seed I know that does that is chia, where it, it swells up and goes, what's the word, mucilaginous? Mucilaginous. Yeah. <laughs> Gloopy. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's basically, it's sort of soluble fibres. And the soluble fibre is something sort of like akin to sort of a very big sugar, but it's not the sort of bigger sugar it's not as big a compound as the sort of the fight really fibrous parts right so it's it's not soluble it does taste a little bit sweet and it's partly what gives linseed that slightly sweet taste but also the oil slightly sweet so 
all, all in all, it's got a nice taste. But yeah, it's it's a soluble fibre. Right. So I usually, um, well, I usually mostly make flax crackers with it, but um, I've heard that people make tea. Do do you make the tea with it ever? Yeah, I mean, the tea is really just like the infusion, and it makes a nice drink. And a lot of people sort of say it's hydrating, and I think it's because it sort of helps to hold liquid in the gut properly and it helps the bacteria in the gut work properly. I mean, I don't think there's an exact science behind why the tea seems to be good for people. But yeah, it's a nice thing to do. And there's another drink that they make with it in the West Indies, which they call Irish Moss. Oh, yeah. Where they boil up um, linseed, carrageen moss, which is what's called Irish Moss. Yeah. And they boil the two up together and you get this real thick, gluey yeah. stuff. And then they get empty a tin of condensed milk, all milky and all sugary. Yeah. And spices, it has to have sort of vanilla and cinnamon and nutmeg and things like that. And they sort of say that's, you know, really good for you and it's good for kids. And, yeah. you know, strengthening. Well, they probably don't have that good diets out there, so maybe some extra milk probably helps them. But then they also put a load of rum in it as well, and then it tastes brilliant too. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you make linseed tea at home? Linseed tea is just literally the, the linseeds that you put into some water. You just sort of take a small handful, you pour a little bit of water on it and boil it up. I boil it for about half an hour or so, yeah. and then just leave it and then pour it off. And very often just have it with sort of a nice juice of some sort. What mixed together? Yeah. Because I've, I've tried to do the tea before and it was just pretty disgusting. That's why I didn't do it. <laughs> um, it's nice with lemon juice. I like it. I must admit, I do tend to put something a, bit, a little bit sweet with it. Yeah. Just to cheer it up a bit. It's it's not its best attribute, the, the tea. But yeah. It, but it, it, it's not too bad when you get sort of into drinking it. It's quite nice. Yeah. And they tend to drink quite a lot of it in places like Mexico, sort of central, you know, Central America and places, yeah. South America. I make flax milk, so I soak a couple of tablespoons of flax seeds and then when they've gone gloopy, that's the technical term you said, gloopy, <laughs> <laughs> then um, I blend that up with the water and, and some sweetness and stuff and make a, a milk with it, which is really lovely. I like it Yeah, I like it actually with other milks as well. So if you mix it with things like almond milk or soy milk or yeah. even ordinary milk, which I'm not really into, um... It almost tastes like Horlicks. Right. And so that's that's quite a nice way of having it, but it makes it a little bit thicker. But obviously you're getting something a bit more nutritious. Yeah, yeah. So it's very, it's very versatile, and I use it a lot as a sort of an alternative to flour and a lot of baking. Yeah. And I'll use linseed meal and maybe some chickpea flour or something like that, maybe rice flour. And I find it gives it more fibre, more succulence, and just a nice consistency and a nice taste. And you don't want to put so much sugar with things either because the linseed tastes a bit sweet. Yeah. And I make sort of fruit, you know, tea, fruit tea breads and things like that out of it. Yeah. In my Royal Magic book, there's quite a few flax breads. There's some sweet ones and some savoury ones. And it's so easy to do as well. When we're doing raw foods, the Essene breads can be quite... Well, you you've got to sprout the wheat, and then it's hard to um to grind it all up, and and they don't always taste so good. When you if you over sprout wheat just a little, it it just tastes a bit a bit sprouty, and it's hard to get a seam bread that tastes really good. But the flax bread is just so delicious. I haven't done enough with the raw food myself, 
and I haven't got a sort of, I can't make crackers and things like that. But I do a lot with the linseed for breakfast. Yeah. And my mainstay of my breakfast is always raw fruit stirred with linseed in it. Sometimes I'll put some warm water with it just to thicken it up a bit. Yeah. And that's just it. What, ground linseed? Ground linseed, yeah. fruit. And as I say, maybe some water. And I sort of mash the stuff up a, a little bit as well. And the whole thing just sort of thickens up a bit like porridge. Yeah, I've got a recipe of so You don't need to cook linseed to make it go porridgey. It just thickens up all on its own. Yeah, I've got a recipe of Royal Magic where we, we did that. And if you put a little bit of warm water in it as well, we use like mostly cold water, but then a little bit of hot water and then it's it's warm. And that's, that's really soothing, isn't it? Really nurturing. Oh, it's, it's a real sort of like comfort food breakfast. Mm, mm. But it's... I mean, every morning is different. You know, sometimes it's grated apple with it and grated carrot. Sometimes it's whole apricots. You know, it could be anything. So, if, and then maybe if, some spices as well. And it's just such fun to eat. If you were doing that, how much seed would you use in a portion? A couple of heat dessert spoons and maybe yeah, about another one as well if I'm feeling greedy. Yeah. <laughs> I try to sort of make sure I'm eating lots of fruit as well. Yeah. So, is there the same issues with? grinding seed as there are with with pressing it when you buy ground flaxseed in pouches is is there issues with that and if we grind it at home should we i've heard that you shouldn't because sometimes i grind it and then i keep it in the fridge to use some of it later but i've heard that you're meant to just use it straight away because it starts oxidizing i think you know there's a true truth in that it, it, it's not it's not really bad news for oxidizing as long as it hasn't got too hot when you were processing it right. and some home grinders will make it hotter than others when you're grinding it right. if it does start to get hot then you start this sort of domino effect um, we find that it's fairly stable because we use a cold grinding process and obviously if you eat the, the, the ground seeds yes they're more, much more effective because you get all the nutrients and it makes a nicer structure going through the gut and they've been grinding linseed for thousands of years literally when they found remains of paleolithic man from 13,000 years ago wow. they found him with a little pic- picnic of some flax cakes made with ground linseed oh, <laughs> so even going back then people knew that you know you should grind it Ethiopians grind it is it better to grind it fresh well, of course it is it's like it's better to have your spinach growing fresh in your garden and you go and pick it and you eat it within five minutes yeah and it's like no spinach that you'll ever get from the supermarket. Yeah. However, as a compromise, yeah, let's have some spinach in the freezer because some spinach is better than no spinach. And, you know, if you haven't got the time to grind linseed and you're like on, on a rush and you've so many things you want to be doing, and well, you can buy ground linseed. And as long as it is fresh and it tastes sweet, yeah, then that's the most important thing. Some of the ones that come from abroad... Yeah, have been cooked, you know, have been ground at too high temperature. Some of them have been in the packet for too long and they really aren't that nice. And I've, some of the worst ones I've come across actually are um, what they call cracked linseed or crushed linseed, which is a fairly crude way of bro- breaking it. And that causes the oil to sort of ooze out onto the outside of sort of slightly cracked seeds. Right. And when that happens, that seems to go rancid very easily. And they don't seem to sort of 
love it and care for it as much as they should do, and they give it a very long shelf life. And I've had a lot of that, but it's been very, very rancid. So with the oil, it's um, it's the best source, isn't it, of um, omega three? Isn't it right that there's no other plant that has as many omega three essential fatty acids in? I oh, know nothing more. Nothing has more omega three. I think um, the kia seed has a, something approaching the same. Right. Or the percentage of ALA in kia seed oil is the same, but there's an awful lot of oil in linseed. It's about forty percent oil, so right. it is a brilliant source. And and um, most people, I would say, most people are chronically deficient, aren't they? Because the only other main source is fish, and unless you're eating fish every day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we and also we get a lot of other things very easily, you know. Sort of like if you eat a very wild diet, the sort of diet that nature intended us to have, it's much easier to get the right balance of fats from our diet. But somewhere along the line, the plants that agriculture grew for us to eat, rather than the ones that we forage for, yeah. um, seem to have an awful lot of omega six. It's probably because it's just a much easier nutrient for nature to make. Right. So you'll get a bigger crop of something that grows omega six and something that grows omega three. So even things like bread, you know, wheat or something like that, has got omega three. Not a lot, and then not omega three. The bread has got omega six in. It yeah. hasn't got a lot, but it's got no omega three. Yeah. And so all the time we're just getting a little bit more omega six, a little bit more omega six. And that's where, and then we get sort of obviously sunflower seeds and corn oil and maize and even olive oil has quite a bit of omega six in, but virtually no three. And it's a building block nutrient, isn't it? So it's one of those nutrients that that has to come first, so that you can make use of all your other nutrients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the body is, you know, the blueprint for bodies, and omega three is actually quite a big, 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 big bit of the cell membranes. Right. And if there's a deficiency then you know you're short of it and there's nothing you can do and the body starts trying to make some membranes out of the wrong stuff right so if you're deficient in your omega-3s you can be getting all your calcium and iron and vitamin d and everything but your body's not going to be able to utilize it properly yeah absolutely so it really is the number one thing and you know would you agree most people are are massively deficient in it aren't they we see lots of yeah lots of it um and it's it's the imbalance and the deficiencies. There's sort of like two things going on at once. Right. So how much oil do you recommend people take a day? It's a very it's quite a hard one that because it depends on the rest of their diet. If you've got a lot of other fats in the diet, and you're eating a lot of sort of sunflower seeds or oils, or or if you're going down the chip shop and you're having chips <laughs> fried in sunflower oil, um, you. Possibly need sort of you know three teaspoons a day. Yeah. If you're eating a very low fat diet and it's actually quite a good diet, a teaspoon falls probably plenty. Oh really? But, we have about know, we have about two tablespoons. Well, we have flax and hemp and olive oil, but we have all in all about two tablespoons of oil a day. Well, we've got to eat something, and I think they say sort of about two about one and a half percent of your calorific value should come from ALA. Yeah. The math gets quite quite <laughs> complicated. But you know, we've got weak things and it's just good to have a good a good balance. Mm. <laughs> so um sometimes people wonder about the difference between the brown linseed and the gold linseed, but there isn't any difference at all, is there? 
No, there isn't. It's just like when you go to this and buy potatoes. You get sometimes you get red potatoes and you sometimes get white potatoes. There is a slight difference in the flavour between some of the gold. So the gold variety we grow, we grow specifically because it has a very mild flavour and it's got a sort of slightly biscuity flavour to it, which is very useful for eating yeah. with fruit and baking some things with. The brown ones tend to have a little bit more nutty, stronger flavour. And that tastes brilliant in porridge because it really gives porridge a bit of a lift. Right. Um, and we, when we make the cakes and the flax jacks, we tend to put a mix in because I think a mix of the sweetness and a mix of the sort of oomphy sort of yeah. flavour is better. Yeah. So there's a difference in flavour but not in nutrition. But not in nutrition. Don't notice any difference swapping mm. from one to the other. When I make the flax crackers, I quite often I'll do half and half just because it looks so pretty to have the brown and the gold together. I'm afraid it had that has that effect on me. And when I make the flax jacks, I tend to blend them together and sprinkle both on just because it looks pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're going to start stocking your oil in the shop pretty soon, I think. Um, uh, probably about the beginning of March. Oh, that's great news. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. But, um, where where else can people get it? Your oil. Well, we do it just at the internet. We go to Epsom Farmers Market. We go to Farm and Farmers Market. We're just about starting doing another one near Dorking called Denby's. And we can sell it from the farm if somebody gives us a ring before they get here, but that obviously that's only for passing. And we do it at Earth up in London. And we obviously, you know, Borough Market every Saturday. And we're going to start doing Fridays at Borough Market as well. So, so my Whole Foods store, Infinity, has it. Do you supply many Whole Foods stores? We're just beginning to sort of roll out a little bit, but not very many. Right. Because we want to make sure that the places that they go understand what they've got and want to have a fresh oil rather than something that's been around all the wholesalers and then sits on the shelf and things like that. Right. So we want to make sure it's properly looked after. So do you know of anyone else in the country who's who's producing flax in the same way and taking such care over it? No, we're not. And when we put it out on the stall at Borough Market, which people come and taste it every day, um, when they're there, nobody has yet said they've ever found a better one. Brilliant. But everybody says, God, this is amazing. Yeah. And they just everybody compares it to one that they've had before and they go, oh, God, this is just fantastic. Yeah. And presumably if we're shipping, if we're buying oil that's shipped from abroad that's even worse isn't it we... well it's just ridiculous because if we can grow it in this country what earth is the point of shipping it in you know and it's meant to be a fresh food it's like getting your coffee ground thousands of miles away yeah like and getting you your juice it... getting your juice made in america and then having it flown over <laughs> yeah which is what people do don't they? <laughs> you know, it, it is it's ridiculous so it must lose a lot of the nutrition if it's flown over it must that must really damage it doesn't it well, I reckon that some of these factories, you know, they're so big that it takes ages to get from one end of the factory to the other, and then it goes into a warehouse, and then it goes through the distributor and the shipping processes, and it takes weeks and weeks and weeks to get to the end user. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. I did, um, a while back, I had a little machine, which they stopped making them, but it was an attachment to my juicer, so I could stick it on the end of my juicer and pour my flax seeds in and make the oil myself, and it was such a palaver, and you'd, I think about out of a whole cup of flax seeds, I'd get one tablespoon of flax oil, 
and it, and it took about an hour to do that but it was you know I didn't do it a lot but it was worth it just because it was it was incredible that sort of oil well that's just perfect oil absolutely and you know you've got the experience about what oil tastes like when yeah. it comes squeezed straight out of I the I mean food. you could almost it's... drink it when it's like that couldn't you oh it it's... is it's lovely yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Well, that's been so interesting, Claire. Thank you so much for sharing your your knowledge with us. All right. Thank Have you. Have a good day. Nice to meet you. And you. Take care. Bye. Bye.